All right, Carrie, you pray for our time in the Word and in fellowship. God, I thank you, Father, that you have called us here today, not of our own giving, God, but for your purpose, Lord. That you have a purpose for each one of us, God. God, as we serve you, Lord, I pray that we would hear your word today, God. That we would respond, Father, that each and every person, God, whether they're listening remotely or whether they walk through these doors, God, that today would be the day that chains would fall, that people would respond, that our hearts would be good soil, God. I pray, Father, if there are those that do not know you, God, that salvation would come, Father, that there would be freedom to the captives, God. So I thank you for this opportunity that we would never take it for granted, God. I thank you that we live in a country where we can meet freely, Father, for however long that lasts, God. So we praise you for that today, God. And as we enter, Father, these last few months of this year, God, we know that time is speeding up, God. But we know, Father, that the time is coming soon for the return of your Son. So may we be found faithful, that pure and spotless bride, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Slinging a stone, a hope and a prayer. When you're under fire, he's with you there. Cause my God is
And Father, we thank You, Lord Jesus, for that truth, Lord. That You are, for those who are in Christ, our firm foundation, Lord Jesus. And Father, You won't fail us. That Your Word is yes and amen. You are faithful. That You're not man that You should lie. God, that you are pleased to reveal yourself to us through your Son, Jesus. That the created might be reconciled back to their Creator. That through Christ, now therefore, we could be at peace with our God. Oh, we thank you for that, Lord. I pray for those who are not in Christ, God. That may be among us, Lord, or listening at a later time, that today would be the day of their salvation, Lord, that they would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they would recognize, Father, that they are in rebellion towards you. But so great is your love and your mercy, Father, that you are pleased to reveal their condition and the provision you've made through your Son, Jesus, that they may be restored to you, that they may be born again of a new nature, and that, God, that you would give them what is needed to live the life in which you called them to, the life, God, that you've always purposed for them. And so, God, we thank you for that. We thank you, Father, that your word says that it's your desire that none should perish, but that all would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that you are slow to anger. We thank you, Father, that you are a just God, a holy God. That your love endures forever. We thank you, God, that we can look unto you, Lord. We know, Father, that you are for us and not against us. And that, Father, that you would make every crooked path straight. That we may walk and the abundance, Father, of, of Christ, the risen one. That the victory is ours because of Christ and Christ alone. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. So application, sustained effort, hard work. From the root word, apply to give one's full attention to a task, to work hard. Again, nine months of hearing this over and over and over, and I keep asking us, how are we doing with it? And it's not to beat yourself down, but the reality is, how are you doing with applying the truth of the Word of God? If you're saying that you are a follower of Christ, are you applying the truth? that is revealed to us through the living Word of God. And as I've been praying for us this week and preparing for our time today, isn't it interesting that we sing this incredible song, How Great Is Our God? How great is our God? Sing with me how great... You know, you know that song. But then as I've been thinking about it, there's Christians or so-called Christians throughout the earth 
who are comfortable singing that song, but in the reality, what their lives sing, what their lives express, is how weak is my God. Let me tell you how weak is my God. He hasn't done anything for me. He's so weak. How weak is my God. It's just how we live. We live out and we portray our God to be this weak God. This God of no power, no no authority, a God that's not holy, a God who has not accomplished all that he has set out to do, a God who is still in the tomb, a God who is not a, a, a God of hope, a God of deliverance, a God of freedom, a God of healing, a God of provision. No, we live out a life and we make a mockery of Christ. And yet, and yet, and yet, we're comfortable with it. And we ought not to be comfortable with it. I keep encouraging us. I pray that you're not serving a God with a little g. You've created this God for yourself. Because that's what our flesh likes to do. That's what the enemy likes to present to us. That's what the world system likes for us to be enslaved to. This God in which we create and just put Jesus' name on it. And somehow live under this weird delusion that somehow we are engrafted in to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And yet in reality, we're not. We're not. We're still on the outside with the wicked. Counted among the damned. The children of wrath. Oh, the urgency of the hour of the day in which we live that people would truly come to know Jesus. <laughs> Application to give one's full attention to work hard. Not to, the, not to have a divided heart. Not to, oh, I'm all about Jesus when I'm among uh, the Christians I know. But not among, not about him when I'm around everyone else. Or even how sad to, to, to not even be around him or to uphold him even around the so-called Christians that you're around because Jesus isn't exalted or acknowledged among you. And so, oh, there must be an awakening that takes place within us. Because we're born again of a new nature. We've heard, all heard the gospel, I'm sure. And somehow, when we've heard the gospel, somehow we get it mixed up. That somehow it's God that has the problem, not us. And so we lessen and we cheapen the gospel message. And we begin to believe in a God that's really not God at all. 
But the true gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, reveals our condition. We're sinners. We're in rebellion to a holy God. But God knows this condition and so loved us that He sent forth His one and only Son that whoever would believe in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Like God made provision through Christ, knowing our condition, for us to be born again of a new nature so that ultimately we may live with Him. Restored back to Him through Christ. There's nothing we could do, but Christ did it all for us. So when we accept the understanding that we're sinners, because we're all born into this nature, when we come to this understanding, we submit ourselves to, to Christ, when we humble ourselves, when we repent and we turn back to God, you realize as a Christian, that's what you're called to do. Is to call others back to God. Because outside of Christ, we're not with God. Again, we're made in the image of God, but we're not children of God. We're on the outside. But because of Christ, we can be engrafted in. And through this, we're born again of this new nature. Of the Spirit. We receive Christ and all that He's accomplished for us. We receive the Holy Spirit to empower us to live out this newness of life. And why we keep clinging to the old is beyond me. Because there's nothing back there of the old that can ever bring forth life. Only Christ can bring forth life. So application, sustained effort, work hard. Applying the Bible is the duty of all Christians. Again, if we don't apply it, the Bible becomes nothing more to us than a normal book. Some type of self-help book. Not what the Bible is supposed to be. Becomes an impractical collection of old manuscripts. That's why Paul says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. When we apply the Bible, God himself will be with us. The degree to which we study, memorize, and meditate on God's word is a degree to which we understand how it applies to our lives. But understanding how the word applies is not enough. We must actually apply it. Application implies action, and obedient action is the final step in causing God's Word to come to life in our lives. The application of Scripture enforces and further enlightens our studies, and it also serves to sharpen our discernment, helping us to better distinguish between good and evil. And again, we understand the days and age in which we're living. And so we must be aware Wouldn't it be horrible to recognize all that's going on and yet, and yet, be part of it? Because we're not in Christ. Can you truly sing the song, How Great is Our God? How great 
is my God? <clears throat> Do you have the testimony of Jesus? Are you living for Jesus? Are you loving Jesus? The Bible says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your body, and with all of your strength. That's not a suggestion. That's a command. And somehow we want to keep presenting Christianity, we want to keep presenting Christ as this weak-willed man, Christianity as just yet another part of some religious system out there in the earth, as if it measures up to the other religions that are out there when it doesn't. Christianity is the only faith upon this earth which is true. All other faiths are, are working to get to God. <laughs> the true essence of Christianity is God came down to us. Because He knew in and of ourselves there would be no way that we could reach Him or appease Him. No. He knows our condition. And so he sent forth Jesus. And why we think we can make Christianity this weak-willed religion about rules and laws is beyond me. But that's what the flesh likes. Like, so when you understand the, the workings of the flesh, when you understand the workings of the world system, when you understand the workings of this realm that we're told is actually the realm in which we're warring against. We're not warring against flesh and blood, but with principalities and rulers in the air and the darkness. And you said, but yeah, we've heard this, we've heard this. But yeah, okay, so you've heard it, but do you understand it? <laughs> you understand it. How now then shall you be living? Again, you ought not, the, the hymn of your life should not be how weak is my God? Sing with me, how weak is my God? He's done nothing for me. How weak, how weak is my God? That's not, that ought not to be our hymn. But that's how all of us are living. No, it's how great is our God. Do you know your God? Do you know your God? We don't have to be embarrassed for Him. I mean, my God, when you really get to know Him and you understand, my God, how great you are. Oh, like I'm studying through the prophets now. And I'm just like, man, God, I wish you... Ah, Lord, do we not truly see you for who you are? Like how great you are? And how much you love us like from the beginning to the end of people that he will call his own, and in return they will call him their God. <laughs> Love the Lord your God, as I just mentioned. Again, it's not a suggestion, it is a command. To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your body, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. This is how we're to be living. And yet we make it about rules and laws. And, and then we begin to adopt things and these customs and these weird practices that aren't even honoring Christ. 
You see, the law, as we've been studying in Romans, we understand that the law was meant for one purpose, and one pur- purpose only is to expose us. <laughs> to expose our condition. And so if we're following the law, we're only going to rebel even more. But Jesus himself, and as we've heard, he says, I I haven't come to do away with the law, but I've come to fulfill the law. He's come to fulfill it. He, he, He doesn't come to do away with the writings of Moses and the prophets. No, he's fulfilled them. And that's the freedom that comes to mankind, that we're not working to be right with God. No, Christ came. Came for us. There's no other religion out there that presents this, and yet it's the only religion that's out there that is being, since the conception of time of it, has been attacked. Has been, governments have tried to stifle it, silence it. I mean, when you think, even when, when, even in John, when it says that, that he came and his own people rejected him. Like he knew what was going to happen when he came. You know, he was the word of God. You know, the word of God became flesh. Like light pierced the darkness. And yet it says that mankind loved darkness more than light. I mean, this is just the condition of who we are. And so we're bound to this temporalness of life, somehow thinking that this is where we're going to find our inner selves, our true self. And yet all it is is dust. Like it's all temporal. And this is what we're basing our identities on. But we all have that same problem because we're all born in that nature. That's why you must be born again, born again. That's why application, if you are born again of the Spirit of God, you are engrafted into the kingdom of God, to the family of God. You belong to God through Christ, not through religion, but through Christ. And it's a whole new nature. Now how then shall we live? Again, we've received the Holy Spirit. He's given us everything we need to live out this life. So that's why we must continue to pursue Him. And it's not because we're forced to. Oh, I've got to go to church. I've got to read the Bible. I've got to say my prayer. That's the law. You exhaust yourself. I told you, you can do the 12 steps. You can memorize the 24 verses. You can do all this stuff and you're still going to be miserable, broke, busted, and disgusted because you're attempting it to do it yourself. But that's what the flesh wants. It's a beast. But in Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit and through application, applying truth, it sets us free from the bondage of the law and the freedom that is found in Christ. Like, you've begun this work in me. You are faithful to complete it. It's an ongoing work. It's a progressive work within my life. 
I'm not perfected until I'm with you, but I'm not making excuses to yoke myself back up to that which is behind me. Or that's with, with, within me, all these cravings and desires that want to rule me. But no, no, I am free. I'm free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. So what does that look like? So that's application every single day. Every single day. It's not a one little time, little prayer. Poof, you're a Christian. Poof, you're a Christian. Poof, you're a Christian. No, it's a lifestyle. It is just, it's who you're becoming. It's who you are. You're not perfected until you're with Him, but you ought to be maturing, you ought to be growing. And you say, but Rob, you say this all the time, but that's the problem. Yeah, there's nothing new underneath the sun. I can't change His message. <laughs> it's the same message for all of us. I mean, if you think about what you've been bombarded with all week, from the outside affecting you and from the inside affecting you, how have you dealt with it? If you're calling yourself a Christian, if you're not a Christian, then you've dealt with it all these other ways. As a Christian, how are you dealing with it? You ought to be dealing with it as Christ would deal with it. That's how you should be seeking him. I didn't miss the mark, but that's okay. That's the whole beauty of his love and kindness is that he brings us to repentance. He doesn't, oh, look how bad you were again, Rob. See, we have the wrong image of God because we learned about God from the enemy, from the world system, and from our own nature. But when you truly know him, when you truly know him, and you recognize that it's his loving kindness that brings you to repentance, like, oh, God, thank you for showing that yet again. Like, oh, God, okay, Father, I'm sorry. Blah. That's the old nature. That's of the flesh. I don't want that. So, Holy Spirit, how am I? What's true? How do I apply this to my life? And so, you live a free life. You're not hiding from anyone. You know, you're first transparent before God, then you're transparent before others. And you're just learning how to apply truth. And you're learning and you're understanding that as you're learning and as you're applying. And as you're becoming more Christ-like, you're not becoming Christ, but becoming more Christ-like, then you realize, oh, wow, wait a minute. Everything in this world is against him. Everything within my old nature is against him. So, oh God, my roots need to be deep in you. Application. Sustained effort. Hard work. Because we're to be the people of God doing the will of God for the glory of God. This is our God, you all. Why? We all not to be embarrassed. We all not to be silent. We all not to be out among the the world and the lost. And and we all not to think that and be prideful in it. Not to become a religious, prideful, arrogant person. I'm better than you. No, we got to be like Christ. Remember, humble ourselves. We're just here to serve others. Again, the call of every Christian is to look at other people and say, return to God. We're living apart from God. We're living against God. We're, 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 we're ruling ourselves. 
And we can't. Look at what we're doing on this earth. Everyone is blaming God for the, for the conditions of the earth. And God is not the problem. Mankind is the problem. God is not the problem. God is the answer. Mankind has created all of this chaos because they are in rebellion towards God. I mean, I keep telling you about the, you know, the climate activists. Woo! You know? I mean, great, fine, whatever. But the Bible already tells us creation in and of itself is under the curse that mankind has placed upon it because mankind has rebelled against God. And creation itself is longing for the return of Christ. See, the the weird image people have of God... because they're bombarded with so much out there. And that's why I keep trying to encourage you all. You're behind enemy lines. If you're just living this weird, lukewarm Christianity where, again, your mantra is, how weak is my God? Help me sing, how weak is my God? (laughs) He's done nothing for me. How weak, how weak, how weak is my God? How are you winning anyone for Christ? (laughs) When they look at your life and go, what is what? No. Oh, be how great is my God. Oh, sing with me. How great is our God. Because he's great, you all. He is the great I am. He is the hope for this world. His plan, his purpose is in place. Rather you believe it or not. It doesn't matter. God isn't pacing back and forth because ooh, 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 they don't believe. Oh no. He already knows those who will believe and those who won't. I mean, we've been talking a lot about Judas lately. I mean, Judas, lest we forget, he left everything to follow Christ. He was sent out to do miracles and was given the authority to do this and to do that. But Judas, Judas' heart was never towards Christ. It was always towards Judas. And God knew that. God knew it from the beginning in his sovereignty. He knew. That's why Jesus could say, the ones in which you've given me, I kept, except that one. And he was talking about Judas. It was his purpose to betray me. How could you imagine? That's why Jesus takes the bread at the table, the Last Supper, dips it. When the other disciples are like, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? He says, that and whom I give this bread to. Well, they were still caught up about their business. They didn't watch what was going on. And Jesus dips the bread, hands it to Judas. He says, now go. 
go. Remember what Jesus said to him, do what you gotta do and do it quickly. And the Bible says Judas got up and Satan entered in. I mean, come on. And you say, oh, Rob, that's, that's your story. That's okay, that's a cute out of No, no, that's, that's real, you all. The collection of what we have here is not just some, you know, oh, you know, man put together. <laughs> you know, it's not this, oh, those are good stories. Yeah, they were real people. Okay, okay, that's good. That's nice, whatever. Like, do you understand what we have access to? It's God-inspired. God-ordained. It's God-inspiring men to pen so that the created can know their God. Oh, do you know your God, you all? Do you know how great He is? So, nine months, I've been trying to encourage y'all application, 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 application. How are you doing with it? How are you doing? So, again, it's not to beat yourself up. Oh, I'm a bad Christian. I'm not applying. No, no. Don't make it about yourself. If you see that you're really not engaging in this, you gotta, then you just gotta get real. You first, you gotta repent and be like, God, I'm sorry, I'm still in control. But you're revealing this to me because you love me so that it will bring me to repentance so that I will look to you. Because God, you understand my condition. I'm not going to make excuses for it, God, because you don't make excuses for it. You call me out from it. And you said you've given me a new nature. Born again of the Spirit. So just as much as I put in back over here, I'm going to put in here. Who am I now? How am I to live? See, I keep telling you, I keep telling you, you all know yourselves better than anyone. So stop playing games. Stop being like flipping about it. You know what that old nature is like. And where has it got you? You're here today, you're gone tomorrow. That old flesh, that old nature only knows to do one thing. Die. That's all it knows. Look around. Look around. You can't make this stuff up. And yet this is what people are enslaved to. Because the Bible says their eyes are blinded by the enemy. So Jesus can look at the religious people of his day and say, your father's the devil. That's why I keep telling you, don't become so spiritual that you become more like Satan than Christ. These, people, these men were really spiritual. And yet, what they were doing to God's people they weren't freeing them. They were burdening them with the law, with the law, with the law, with the law. You gotta worship this way. You gotta do it on this day. You can't do this and you can't do that. Hold all this and you have to, every little thing, every little thing, every little thing, every little thing. And Jesus looks at him and says, you're making them twice as much the son of hell as you are. You see, this is what you're up against every single day. That's why application is vital. You're up against every day. You're bombarded with so much stuff. 
every single day. So if you're not looking to, if you're not a Christian, whatever, you're just enslaved. That's just, that's just your nature. You are enslaved. You're a slave to sin, which is dragging you to death, to ultimately, to eternal damnation. And that is your choice. Because you can't say, well, that's a bad God to send people to hell. God does not send people to hell. People choose because they say you're not God. Okay. God turns them over. That's what you want. Have it. But if you're calling yourself a Christian... Listen, that's why application is vital. You're walking it out. Again, you're not trying to be perfect. You're not measuring up to be perfect. You're just walking out. You're just growing. God, I just want to hunger. I want to, th- I want to thirst more for righteousness. I'm a work in progress. I don't want to make excuses for my bad attitudes, for my vices, for my thoughts, for anything. No, God, I want to put into practice all that you say that I have access to, that I might be free. That I'm no longer a slave, but now I'm free. And I'm not going to just uh, give up my freedom for this temporalness that keeps presenting itself to me. No, because I see now, my eyes have been opened. I see what's happening on the face of the earth. I see what's going on. I see what's, you know, the need and the suffering. I mean, did you see the video of these two young boys running over that guy on, on the bike? Kills him. They posted it on social media. Like it was nothing to them. And you just see the lawlessness increasing on this earth. You can't make it up. You see everything that we've been told is going to happen increasing. And so the church isn't to be scared, but no, we just see and we go, oh God, Jesus, you're returning at any moment. It could be a hundred years from now, but it could be tomorrow. It could be an hour. You're coming. So how then shall we live? As unto Christ, we should be growing. We should have a zeal and a desire to please Christ, to love Christ, to know Christ, to grow in Christ, to apply truth. Because ultimately, we want to win others for Christ. We want to tell others about Christ. And I keep telling you all, if you're going to tell others about Christ, please, my God, make sure your life matches up to what you're sharing. Again, if I let you to be perfect, but you just can't hold a form of religion and then deny the power to transform your life and then offer that to people. Again, you're making them, you will make them twice as much the son of hell as you are. And you can't be a stumbling block for people. You can't speak one thing, you know, both sides of your mouth. Today I'm in Christ, but this hour I'm not. I'm following Christ now, but nope, nope, I just got the phone call, now I'm not. You know, now we got to mature, we got to grow up. This weird Christianity that's out there that just gives people the right to keep living however they want. That's not Christianity. You don't see that in the Bible. You don't see it anywhere. 
And the church, ever since it was poof, birthed on the earth, she's been constantly reminded, know your God, know your God, know your God, live for your God, love your God. Know your identity in Christ. Don't get yoked again to bondage, into slavery. You're a freed people. Live for Christ, love Christ, endure sufferings for Christ. Because we recognize that this earth is not our home. We're not living to establish anything here. But while we're here, we can enjoy the fruit of our labor. While we're here, we can enjoy life. And we can enjoy the provision which God has given us. And we can be the people of God doing the will of God for the glory of God. Rather we have excess or rather we have nothing. It doesn't change the very essence of who we are as people. And that's the beauty of Christianity. Is that our identity is not based on our circumstances, but our identity is based on Christ. Let them come and strip everything away. They can't take what already belongs to Christ. We will still have joy. We will still endure. We will still go forth. We will still announce the goodness of our God. We will live for Him with a zeal. We will love Him with our whole being. And so we're not clinging to temporal things. And we're not identifying with temporal things. We're not putting all of our being into the temporal positions that we find ourselves here. And we're surely not allowing our identities to remain in our brokenness and our woundedness from back here. You see, I've told you all, this new nature in which you're born into, it knows nothing of that. And I don't know if that's really hit you all yet. I don't know if you really grasp that concept. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well then, how foolish. How foolish. Again, I'm not talking out of book smarts. I mean, in and of myself, I'm a broken, busted, disgusted, depressed, oppressed, darkened soul of a man who was experienced the most horrendous abuse. When that truth came to me years ago, that this new nature in which I'm born into, that of Christ, I'm a new creation. All things have been made new. Like, what? But what about? And the, all of that junk couldn't fit into what he was bringing about in me. And I was like, wow. So I'm no longer a victim. I could choose to have a victim mentality, but why would I? Because, God, you're saying I'm a victor because of Christ? What does that mean? From someone who, who, who's made so many choices in their life because of their brokenness. But now I'm to make choices out of a wholeness that I don't even understand. But yet somehow, I know it's to be true. So if I'm a whole person, that's when Jesus says, peace I give you, peace I leave you. The peace I give you, the world can't offer you, he says. It's peace, nothing missing, nothing broken, wholeness. 
And we just trade that away. We just give it away. Because we, we, we rebel against him because we still want to be broken. Well, you don't know what my mama did to me. You don't know what my daddy did to me. I didn't have this. I didn't have that. Blah, blah, blah. And I said to y'all, we all have sad stories. But why do we keep saying them over and over and over and over when it's to be his story? You see, when I start applying truth, you know, and again, I didn't have church folks around me. In fact, remember, in the beginning of my walk with Christ, I wish I had this. <laughs> but the first couple years, churches told me I wasn't welcome. <laughs> Sit on that for a minute. Could you just imagine? That's what I tell people when I hear, oh, the church, I'm wounded by the church. Ah, get over yourself. <laughs> You're going to let man drive you away from God? Ah! Come on. Man didn't start this in you. God did. I had to keep seeking him. I didn't have a hunger in and of myself. I had to keep asking him for it. Trust me, I fought. I didn't want to be delivered. I didn't want to be transformed. But the more that I started tasting freedom, the more that I started seeking and understanding, the more I'm like, oh my goodness. What is this? Your eyes are open. You're like, what? And I said, wow. I just begin to apply truth. This is who you say I am. I had a wrong image of you, God. I saw you this way and this way and this way and that way and this way and that way. But now I see you this way, this way, this way. And oh my God. You love me? You desire me? You you, want to walk with me? You want to talk me? You called me? You purposed me? You fashioned me? You numbered the hairs of my head? You prepared good works for me? You knew me? I was talking to people the other day, and I was telling them all these different opportunities I had before Christ. And they were wonderful opportunities, but they life just didn't happen. But I say, you know, I look at all of that and I go, but even then, I can look back now and say, that was God saying, oh no, not happening. I had great opportunities that would have changed my life, shifted the course and direction of me just getting darker and darker and darker and darker. But they were great opportunities in the world, in the worldly sense. But God stepped in. And that's why I've always told you in that day when I went to end my life and God spoke and my, everything just shattered. It was like, you know, I, I, it's, I'm not, it's, it, I, could just, I could just see it like God saying, no, he's mine. <laughs> he's mine. I formed him. I fashioned him. I created him. I know him. I love him. He's no longer yours. And the enemy had all his accusations against me. God said, but I'm going to remind you, he's mine. He's mine, beloved. And man, when you understand that, like Christ, you did that for me? Like what? Like you can't help. You can't help. My zeal, my passion for Christ just keeps getting, growing deeper and deeper and stronger and stronger. Over these 25 years. Oh yeah, I told you. There's been seasons in this 
that I'm like, oh, I'm done. Oh, I don't want to do this. Oh, it's discouraging. Oh, God, really? What is all this stuff? God, can't you just take me? I would rather just go because this is a bit too much. But even in those times, he humbles me and I go, oh, God, forgive me. That's right. You purpose, you planned, you know, you're sovereign. (laughs) Okay, God. Whatever I need to go through to get to where I'm going, to ultimately see your kingdom advance. See, this is what it's about, you all. So all of that that's behind you, you can still allow it to be that which defines you. That's your choice. But I'm telling you, go back to God. Return to God. Through Christ, he's the only way. He's the only way. God made provision for you. That you might live and not die. There's so many beautiful promises in the word of God. And yet people are ignorant of them. Because we still demand our rights. I don't want to demand my right any longer. I don't want what I want and do what I want. I have that. I know what it is to be, you know, whatever. I'm like, ugh. I don't want to give up my freedom. Like, why would I trade it? Like, once you know that you know that you know and you're secure, like, that's the beauty. Once you know that you know that you're secured, like, I'm like, what? Like, I have full access to your kingdom? Like, you're not stiff-arming me? Like, what? I can come boldly into your throne. Like, you're giving me all authority, all power. Like, what? Like, you're calling me to pray? Like, you understand? That's what, that's what blows my mind, but I get it. I get it. It's not to insult you or to make you feel bad or you, you poor, bad Christian. No, no. But that's just the reality. Like, do you really ever understand? Do you really grasp the fullness of what prayer is? Not our little bitty prayers. <laughs> but prayer. To commune with our God. announce the greatness of our God. To stand and first and foremost submit yourself unto God and then resist the enemy. Do you understand what it is to resist the enemy and the power and authority which you have not of yourself that you can become prideful of but in Christ? You understand the enemy is already defeated. See, as a Christian, we're not living out of a place of defeat or defeated mentality. No, we have to shift everything and go, no, it's, it's already done. And you say, but I want to see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. Well, look at you still being temporal. You're looking for this when you're to be looking at that. His purpose, his plan. It's going to make it about you. That's why Paul says we, keep, we have to constantly lay the elementary foundations of your faith again. But you ought to be teachers by now. You ought to be laying all of hands. You ought to be doing greater things, but we have to constantly go back. <laughs> and that's fine. We'll constantly go back. 
But I'm hoping that there will be some that will get up and be like, what? This is what I have access to? This is who you are? This is what you've called me to? Oh God, I remain humble. And that I would be a servant. That I would get up knowing that I am purposed. On purpose. (laughs) Because you purposed me. And there's a way to begin to see things. There's a way, there's a way to begin to, to understand like the workings of what's going on. And you just kind of go, okay, God. And like you're returning. You know, I keep telling you the world is preparing for the Antichrist. Oh, the stage is being set. You can't make this. I, t- I keep telling people, oh my God, if you if you haven't watched a weird end-time Christian movie. That's your homework assignment. Go find one this week. They're really weird. But I feel like sometimes I'm living that. Like, what kind of craziness is this? Like, what? You can't make this stuff up. I mean, when world leaders, I mean, they're telling you what they're doing. I mean, these are secular leaders. These, these are Christian. These are secular leaders. But most average people are not even understanding what's happening on this earth unless it affects them. Their purse strings or their daily lives. But oh my goodness. I mean, when you have world leaders demanding, we need that one leader. We need that one leader to unite the earth. Listen to what they're asking. Listen to what they're preparing for. You can't make this stuff up. And you see all this brouhaha and chaos carrying on. But the church, we're are preparing for our king. The wedding feast. <laughs> yes, Lord. Soon and very soon. We're going to see the king. And so that's why we get up every day not overly anxious, not afraid of what's happening. But oh, God, on purpose. Like I am to be, everyone else can be preparing for the Antichrist, but I'm preparing for the Christ. And he's not coming as a little baby. No, he's coming. He's coming as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Oh, he's coming back. And it's not going to be pretty. The Bible tells us the day of wrath is stored up. But it's his loving kindness. It's his tender mercy. He's not easily angered. Oh, but there's a day coming. When enough's enough. And so come on, church. That's why we come together. That's why we're here. We come together to be encouraged, to edify, and to build each other up throughout the week, to encourage, edify, and build each other up because we all go through things. So we're not trying to put on a little mask, like, oh, yeah, I'm a great Christian. Everything's great. You know, oh, and we're doing, we're doing. No, this is the reality. We're engaging in warfare. We're encouraging. We're there for each other. We're calling each other. We're equipping each other as the Spirit of God is moving among us. (laughs) Ultimately, to do His will. To bring about His purpose. Because He's placed gifts in each of us. 
And we all should be utilizing them, growing in them. And most Christians don't even know what their gifts are. And I go, what? This is what we're up against. Remember, we're all asleep. Shh, shh, everyone's a Christian. Poof, you're a Christian. Poof, you're a Christian. Poof. The devil don't mind. The devil don't mind. Come to your church. Go to church. Shh. Like, what? Like, you realize, we're told. And we're, and we're living in the day like overnight. The wolves are in the pulpits. And they don't care showing their teeth. I mean, preachers who have taught solid teachings for years, all of a sudden, overnight. I promise you, it's the most craziest. You, I promise you, it's like those weird movies. But you go, well, just last Sunday you were... Could you imagine coming in here next Sunday and me teaching a different gospel? Like, hopefully you would be like, what the heck? And walk out. Hopefully you'd be like, what's wrong with you? Like, hopefully. But these preachers have platforms. And they're speaking, and no one's getting up and walking out. No one is saying everything everyone's applauding. And they all got that weird look on their face, and you're like, you can't make this stuff. It's happening. And you just go, well, how does that make sense? How did you go from just just a few days ago to now lamenting that the gospel in which you've been preaching, it hasn't been the gospel, that we need to re- redirect and re you know re fashioned and tear down the old and we need to we need to construct a new gospel this is what's coming out of their mouths you go what what kind of nonsense are we listening to but this is what's happening <laughs> can't make it up and you just go That's why I can't get up here on Sundays with you all and interact with you all and just be like, oh, okay, whatever, whatever. Because I genuinely care for your eternities. I genuinely do. I genuinely care for people's eternities. I can't apologize for that. And I won't apologize for it. That is Jesus. It's not my truth. It's not what Rob says. Got to do what Rob says. No, that's ignorant. <laughs> you do what the Word says because it's all that I'm able to give you. We can't turn from the Word. We can't turn from Christ and make it something that it's not just to appease us because we want to feel good about ourselves. That doesn't even make sense. The whole message of the Gospel is to reveal the condition of ourselves. So now you're telling me you're going to reconstruct the gospel so that I'm okay with myself. Do you understand that's demonic? And I told you over the years, when you start hearing that and now it's here, run from it, turn from it, stop going along with it, because that doesn't even make sense. That doesn't even make sense any longer. Like, what? 
That's not the gospel. Then why Jesus? Why are you even talking about Jesus then? As you're reconstructing, can you just erase his name? Stop talking about him. Because what would be the purpose of him coming? Why are we celebrating him? Why are we even looking for him? If we're reconstructing everything, then we need to get rid of him. And if that's the direction you're going, well, I don't understand why these people aren't getting up. Going, what? I'm really shocked. But in reality, I'm not. Because that's that realm. And we're warned. We're warned. I don't know what to tell you. You don't want to be deceived? (laughs) Then get in truth. Get in Christ. (laughs) Because the Bible says that even in the last days, Many are going to turn from this is the Bible. This isn't Rob. This isn't anything weird and spooky. This is what the Word of God warns us. That in the last days, many will turn and follow teachings of demons. This is what we're warned. And we just want to roll out of bed. Poof, I'm a Christian. Oh, let's go. Do what I want. Oh, my life sucks. Oh. <laughs> Do you realize when you mumble, oh, my life, oh, I'm alone, I'm this, oh, you're making a mockery of Christ if you're calling yourself a Christian? And you say, but that's my reality. Oh, really? <laughs> that's your bondage. <laughs> and you can choose to stay there, but I'm not quite sure why you want to. Because you got you to gotta step out of that and go, oh, wait a minute. That may be who I was. That may be what I'm going through. Because again, you're not living this weird life. I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I'm a Christian. I'm not. But you're not doing that weird stuff. Name me, claim it. But you're not doing all that weird stuff. Oh, don't speak that because you're speaking it. Who is going to get on you? No, you're not. Don't be weird. God, some of the stuff I hear from people, I'm like, oh, Jesus. But the difference is, is that you're not going to keep talking yourself into something That's just going to keep you down. You can say, yet though I may be sick of my body. Yet though I may not be able to pay my bills this month. Yet though I may have this problem at work. Yet though I may have this problem in my marriage. Yet though I may have this problem with my children. Yet though I may have this problem with this. I'm going to remind myself as I get up this day. Of the one and the only one that I can look to that can give me the wisdom and the discernment and the understanding of how I can live through this with his strength on purpose to see healing, to see wholeness, to see reconciliation, to see unity. I mean, there's a way to speak, there's a way to move, there's a way to get up. Well, on my deathbed, and none of it came to pass. What do you realize? Half of the people in the Bible, they walked by faith, and what they had faith in never came to pass until after they were dead. But their faith was great. So come on. I'm just telling you, there's a way in which we can live. And it's because of Christ. Go to 2 Peter Chapter 1. I got a new sword. Norma blessed me with the new Bible because my other Bible fell apart. So, it's my first time using it this weekend. 
So, praise be to God. So many pages are not worn out yet. But 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11. Your scriptures for this week to encourage you to apply God's word to your life. Again, if you're not applying God's word to your life, you can't just be a hearer. You have to be a doer. And if you're not applying God's word to your life, this means this this none of this means anything. You're just still bound. Bound. But I don't understand why you want to remain bound. So, chapter 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 3 through 11. Here we go. This is how you grow in faith. Oh, listen to this, you all. Be encouraged by His divine power. Who's His? Not your works. Not you trying to measure up because that's what people want you to be. No, by His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. So I don't know what our excuses continue to be. He's given us everything we need. And so many times we're searching for our way out. Well, can't I still do this? And can't I still do that? And can't I still do this? Listen, if you're still wondering, can't you, can't you, can't you, can't you, uh, you're missing out on the beauty of Christ. But by His divine nature, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. He's the one who's called us. I keep telling you, you're not going to wake up one day and be like, oh, oh, oh yeah, I'm going to follow Jesus. Oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll learn of Jesus. No, you never do that. If you ever have that inclination, it's because he's begun the work in you. He's begun the work in you. He has called you. And look how it's described here. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that, oh God, listen to this. You've heard this scripture over and over for over a year now. These promises, <laughs> these are the precious, these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. And escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. So in view of all of this, what do you do with what you just heard? Make every effort. Application. Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement or add to your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And to moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. This is what you're adding. This is how you're growing. This is what you're building. You're never going to arrive, but this is a continual process that's in our lives. Because the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those, 
But those, and he's talking to the church, but those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard. Application, work hard, sustained effort to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things. Let's listen to this promise. Do these things. And you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, come on. Sit on that this week. <laughs> Go through that. How does that, how does that, what does that do to you? What, how, what, what does that call you to? How are you going to take this this week and, and apply it? Because you ought to be. You just can't hear this. You just can't read it and just be like, oh, well, that sounds good. But you understand what it means. It is, it is that which defines you now, if you've been born again. Again, this can't define you if you're not born again. You know, there's a lot of people who want to live and have the kingdom, but they don't want the king. Bless me, bless me. They want God to do. Do for me, do for me, do for me. And then, you know, God's so gracious and kind. He, he, he shows up, he reveals himself in areas like, oh God, thank you, thank you. And then we just kick him to the side because our desires, our passions, our, our whatever just flares up and now we're going this way. We don't need you now. And that's not Christianity. It's not Christianity. Christianity, you are submitted to God. You've surrendered. It is no longer you who is living. It's Christ living in and through you because you have taken your old self and you've nailed it to his cross. You've crucified yourself there. And now you're made alive through Christ because the power of his resurrection. And this, is how you grow in faith. So I, I, I challenge you this week. Apply this. And if you're unsure, then reach out. How do I? What's the first step? What does this mean? Because there's so much here. And this is what we're building on. Day in and day out. Day in. And day out, and the more, did you see what it says there? The more that we do, the more productive we become as Christians. Your life in Christ should be productive. Go to Matthew chapter 5. So, I think a couple of weeks ago, I wanted to start through chapter 5 of Matthew through 7. We've seen it before a long time ago. But I wanted to look at it again. Because it's Jesus' sermon. So it's going to be Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 through 32, is what we're going to look at this week. But we opened up in chapter 5 with the Sermon on the Mount. <coughs> with the Beatitudes. Then we talked this teaching about salt and light. Then we talked about Jesus' teaching on the law. Then we talked about his teaching on anger. Today we're going to look at adultery and divorce. 
This sermon is a sermon that Jesus gave his disciples. And when you hear it, I've got to get some thought. Oh, Jesus. Man, I told you, I'm, I'm praying for, I want, I, want to be, I want people to be hungry. I want to be around people who are hungry for the things of God. Because, man, when you hear this, when you sit with him, you're like, man, Jesus, listen to his teachings. Listen how he is just blowing up the religious systems. How he's exposing the heart of humanity. And he's revealing his truth to us. Not to suppress us, not to beat us down. Oh, you're a bad person. In reality, we are, but he doesn't have to tell us that. Because the more that we see how good he is, oh, we do see our nature, how bad we are. Oh. But he shares this to give us hope. The freedom that is found in him. That's why we're called to repentance. Repent and turn back to God. The kingdom of God is at hand. Seek first his kingdom. This isn't isn't some fairy tale, you all. I don't know if you believe that. Oh, Rob, you just caught up in the fairy tale. No, I used to I used to worship fairies. <laughs> this ain't no fairy tale. They didn't offer all this to me. Like this is Jesus, you all. This is the creator of heaven and earth. This is God Almighty. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three in one. His purpose, his plan, his design. For all eternity will be with him for those who are in Christ. And so you have to wake up. You're responsible. You can't blame anyone else. Like it's you. You're the one who would say, you're the one saying no to him. You're the one who can't come in and be active listening and then active applying. You're the one who just shows up and then goes out and shows off <laughs> in their own self. You're the one that's stingy in your giving. You're the one that just wants the church to do for you. Do for me, do for me, do for me, do for me, do for me. But by God, you can't do for anyone. It's weird what goes on in churches. Just go, what kind of nonsense? And pastors are just supposed to be quiet and just go along with it. Pastors are afraid in their pulpits. I said, Lord, that's why I said, God... God bless, I pray for them. I'm like, oh Lord, they're controlled by their, 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 their congregation. They're controlled by this and that and this and that. And oh, you can't preach that because lest you offend the people. Ugh. Get out. Go somewhere else. It's weird. But Jesus sits his disciples down and he shares this Man, this incredible sermon that it does us some good to go back and look at. Not only just look at, but what is he saying? How is this to be impacting my life? Chapter 5, verse 27. Jesus' words. 
You have heard the commandment that says, you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So, this is Jesus' words. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gorge it out and throw it away, it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Why, Jesus talks about hell? Because there's a movement now that we want to erase hell in Christianity. And if your hand, even your strongest hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. I mean, you just sit there for a second and go, okay, Jesus, what on earth is he saying? He's exposing the heart, you all. See, before we can deal with the action of adultery, let's deal with it where it really begins. The heart. And before it really begins, and before it, 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 it comes forth from the heart, Does Jesus literally mean I ought to blind myself? <laughs> no. But that's what he said. He said, gorge out the eye. He said, well, do I cut off? Is that, does that mean, does it literally mean I have to cut off my hand so that I won't do it? No, because then, you see, people think that and they say that. But that goes against what he's saying here. He said, but no, he said that. But did you see what he said before that? It's all the matter of the what? Heart. So yes, there's things that need to be removed. That, that needs to be dealt with. Like we shouldn't be looking at porn. Not to gorge out your eyes, turn off the computer. I mean, Really? We're out on the street, you're walking, you're looking, like, oh, wow, oh, man. You know, take your thoughts captive. Bring them into the obedience of his lordship. Stop looking on on people and lusting. I, I used to be a man bound by lust, bound by porn, bound by, ugh. My God, how is my mind ever going to be pure? How is my life ever going to be pure? God, that's all I know. your hands towards things y'all not to be putting your hands to. Stop touching things y'all not to be touching. Especially yourself. Stop doing things y'all not to be doing because it's not pleasing to Christ. And there's a way in which you ought to live. So Jesus says, fine, you have your law. Your law says don't commit adultery. But I say to you, it's a matter of the heart. You even look upon Someone. 
and it doesn't belong to you, and you lust for them, you're an adulterer. You're an adulterer. You're charged with adultery. Oh, that's bad, Jesus. How dare you, Jesus? Really? No, that's just the reality. Because why? He loves us enough to be real. He's exposing, like, listen. And that's why he says to people, if you're going to follow me, consider the cause. See, this weird Jesus that's being peddled out there, all these generations, it blows my... Do you know how many people are bound in hell because they believed in a false Jesus? They've been bound up in a religious institution and they're sitting in hell for eternity, never, ever, ever to escape. And you say, well, how dare God? No, how dare them? Stop blaming God. God is pleased. He reveals himself to people over and over and over and over and over again. He says, it's your heart. It's your heart. You stand accused. Jesus, what do we do? we do well get violent well get violent yeah get violent remove it from your life remove it from your life how many men and women are bound to pornography I mean men and women struggle when they look upon others and lust in their hearts do you know what's going on in marriages nowadays? And it's sad because it's happening in Christian marriages. And that ought not to be happening in Christian marriages. But these marriages, they go at it alone. Oh, praise God, we're okay. Oh, praise God, we're okay. But yet when they close the doors, they're not okay. And they don't talk about it. They don't want any help. They don't want Jesus. No, we'll just exist. We'll just get through it. Oh, Okay. Then we wonder why the family and marriages are in the conditions in which the way they are. Because people are not willing to come out from the darkness and into the light. I don't want to be exposed. Well, then stay in bondage. Stay enslaved. Do you? But Jesus gives this incredible message here. Do what is needed and do it abruptly. Do it now so that you won't be thrown into hell. If you're going to follow me, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you everything. But I'm just going to sin. I'm just going to keep sinning. Listen, y'all, stop using that excuse. Yes, Christians still sin. But the difference is that we're not bound. When we fall, we go, ah, we feel that because of his loving kindness brings us to repentance. We're like, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Ah, I see it for what it is. 
And then I love it what the Word of God says. What do we do? So I don't know if you read the Word of God and get excited, but the Word of God says, throw off the sin that so easily entangles you. You know, I work with men, you know, and that's been in bondage to pornography. And even some women, and, and we talked about this the other night, and, and a lot, and it, it, it can be any addiction, actually. And, we, and they, you know, we want to celebrate, oh, I went 30 days. Oh, oh, I went 60 days. Well, listen, that's a very dangerous trap. Because you're making it about you. But what about on that 62nd day? When you fell? What are you going to do? Just lie to everyone that, oh, everything's good. Everything's good. Everything's good. And being tormented in your mind. Knowing good and well you're caught back up in a vicious cycle. Well, what do I do then, Rob, when the cycle just comes up on me again? Well, first of all, it doesn't just come up on you. You gave it access. So that's your first step. Is you can't blame because she walked by you or he walked by you. Because you didn't do anything. You just gave in to it. So there's a way in which you can do. But the first thing is, is don't stay wallowing down in your self-loathing and pity. Get up. If you're a Christian, get up. Is that easy? Yeah, because of the word of God says. Get up and then do what it says. Throw off the sin that so easily entangles you. That's not me anymore. And then it tells you, after you do that, this is application. Then what does it say? Then run the race. Keep running. Get up. Get up. Get up. Keep running. Don't beat yourself up. I'm a bad Christian. I can't do like everyone else. Oh, just keep going. No, get up and keep pursuing righteousness. Pursuing Christ. Help others along the way. We gotta stop making Christianity this weird thing that's out there. But again, we know that's what it's going to be because that's what we're told. That's what's going to happen. And so when we come along, we got a you know this free message. Even some Christians they're like, "What? I don't know this. I never heard of this." Yeah, you have. You just never really, really listened. So this is good news, you all. This is good news. There's a way in which we can remain pure. There's a way in which we can honor Christ with our bodies and in our marriages. We can honor Him. We don't have to give in and become a slave to everything that's out there. Like, deal with it, you all, and deal with it abruptly. Deal with it. Like, we ought to hate sin, we need to kill sin. And the Bible says, in, in First John, I write to you so that you will not sin. But if you do, remember, Jesus. See, the state of your being as a Christian is not to continue to be enslaved and in bondage to sin. Because he's resurrected. He's already defeated the power of sin. So what does that look like for your life? I can walk the streets now. I can take in images. And I'm not prideful about it. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm not prideful about it. Because <laughs> I don't end up myself where I would go. If I allowed myself. Oh, but listen, that's what I'm saying. You know yourself. That's when the things come and the desires. And, oh, 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 oh. You just go, really? Like, no. 
It's not even worth it. It's nothing. Christ is everything. And it's so freeing. It's so freeing. It's so freeing. So freeing. Whether it's bad attitudes, rather it's the gossiping, the murmuring, the backbiting, whatever, whatever your flavor of sin is. I just gotta say, I just gotta, I just gotta let it out. Well, good for you. But understand where that, where that comes from. And you're giving it the right to control you, to master you. It is your God and you're making a mockery of Jesus. And ooh, that doesn't even bother you. So let me tell you we're going to be in a month from now. In a year from now. Like, really? Like, I go, oh God, guard my mouth. Guard my heart. I mean, there's a way, again, we're called to live. That's why we're called to live. Application. And we're doing this together. That's why we're not trying to get, oh, I got to get to where, you know, Carrie's at, or I got to get where Rob or Yvette's at, or where Norman. No. You just got to live your life where you're at and grow where you're at, but keep growing, keep maturing. Because we're all, that's the whole, it's a process. It's a continual process. That's why we look forward to gathering together. Coming together, yes. And we don't have to pretend. No, we do life. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We're in this season. Okay. Well, we're not shocked. There's nothing to hide. There's nothing to hide. That's what I'm trying to tell you all. Like, you all should realize what we have access to in this church. Because you don't find it in a lot of churches. There are people sitting in churches where they're so afraid to say anything what's going on. You don't need to be afraid. You're not going to surprise me. But the Bible says to expose the fruitless deeds of darkness, drag it out into the light. I don't know why we want darkness to keep ruling and reigning. No. I mean, for God's sakes, I, if I took in everything and just, I could, I could just collapse under the weight of it all. And my addicted, my addictions could just overtake me. But why? I don't know, I was telling people the other day, like, I mean, there's nothing there. You just get up and you move on. And I'm not celebrating what I've accomplished. I'm celebrating what Christ has accomplished. The man I am, the, the man you are, the woman that you are, is because of Christ. Not because of us. It's because of Christ. So I don't boast in anything. I don't boast in anything. But I can tell you what Christ has done. I can tell you with a certainty that when I can look at the brothers and sisters that there's freedom. But there's, it's hard work. Because your flesh, the Bible says in Galatians, it's warring against your spirit. The world system is presenting everything to you to trip you up. And this realm up here does not want to let you go. All three are out to destroy your soul. 
And that's why Jesus can look at his disciples and says, do you ever give thought to your soul? He goes on teaching about divorce. You have heard the law that says a man can divorce his wife with merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife unless she has been unfaithful causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. And you see how cheap marriage is today in our generation. And it's been going that direction for many generations. Where marriage is not even valued any longer. But marriage is not man's institution. It's what God has ordained. For some, there are some that are called to singleness. I mean, even Paul tells you, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, I would rather you not marry. Be single. So that you can give wholeheartedly to the work of the Lord. But if you do marry, then he gives instructions to the household and what marriage should be and how it should flow. And we shouldn't be so flippant in rewriting what marriage is because we want to make everyone feel comfortable. It's God-ordained. It's a covenant between God and the couple. And we just going to be flippant about it. It should be treasured. It should be honored. And it's hard work. It's hard work. It's not, it's not a cakewalk. You don't go poof, you're at the altar, you set your vows and poof, everything's glory. Oh no, that's when the all hell breaks loose. Trust me, I know. Gilda will testify too. Amen, Gilda. It's hard work. It's hard work. Many times I said, Lord, I'm done. Oh, God. Oh, Lord, what? Years ago, years ago, we lived on the west side. I slammed the door. I got in the car, drove. Got around to the stop sign. The Lord said, go back. I said, God, I'm not going back. Oh, God, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I'm done. I'm going to go buy me a pack of cigarettes and a six-pack. That's what I'm going to do, God. This is what I'm telling God. I was done. God said, oh, no, you're going back. But God... And he didn't begin to deal with me. You're a runner. Look at your woundedness. Look what's wrong with you. I'm doing something in you. I'm teaching you to love. And you think this was going to be easy? Look at how my people treat me. The full expression of love. Did I turn my back on you? Did I run from you? Did I leave you? Oh, oh God. Where are you going? I mean, seriously, you all. And so this weird thing that Christian marriages do, Christian couples do, like, oh, you know. But yet, when they close the door, it's hell. Well, from the church, oh, praise God, praise God. On the social media, praise God, look, praise God. And they're broken. They're not united. They're divided. The enemy is running amok. 
And do you understand the beauty of a covenant between a husband and a wife and the authority that both of them have in Christ and what they can accomplish in and of their home and in of their family and in of their community? And you don't think all hell and everything about it wants to destroy it? And yet Jesus exposes it. He doesn't doesn't play games. He doesn't just, oh, let's just hide it. No, he uncovers it all. He uncovers it all. And he says, here. Because he loves us. Yeah, we need to see that we are bad. We are ugly. We are in rebellion. That's why we need to deny ourselves, pick up our cross and to follow him. I mean, really, you all. There's no other way to live. I mean, you can, we can keep trying. We can keep trying. There's no other way to live. Times are getting harder and harder and harder and harder and harder and harder and darker and darker and darker. But we, the church, we, the church, should be getting brighter and brighter. And not just so we can hang out with amongst ourselves. No, we are called to go out. And we're to be the light. People ought to look at us and say, oh, there's something different about you. Oh, it's not something, it's someone. Let me tell you. Oh, you're so honest, you're so open, you're so real, you're so, wow, you're going to, but look how, you. oh, because of Jesus, because of the hope that I have, it's nothing of me, it's all of him. I can only point you to Jesus. It's not me, I'm not perfect. I will fail you tomorrow. But let me tell you, the one who won't fail you. And even if I do fail you, I'm not going to make an excuse. Well, oh, no, no, I'm going to repent. Hope you see me repent. Hope you see me see to be restored, not just making excuses in this weird cycle of sin. That's why I say people are angry and they're calling themselves Christians. And the Bible says don't even eat with people like that. It doesn't say not to eat with unbelievers. It says don't even eat with a Christian. Someone who calls themselves a Christian has an anger problem. But we don't take that serious. Could you imagine? We ought to. Like, no, sorry. You're not sitting at this table today. Deal with your anger. <laughs> We're not going to be around people who call themselves Christians but deny the power of Him transforming their lives. Not to have anything to do with them. In fact, we just turn them over to Satan. And you say, well, that's harsh. No, we don't do it in a berating way. We do it, as the Bible says, in hopes that their soul will be saved. Because why are we going to keep them among us and pretending? Oh, yeah. yeah. Poof, you're a Christian. Poof, you're a Christian. Oh, you're just struggling. Oh, it's okay. Well, and we just make all these excuses for people. <laughs> Do we under, not understand the war in which we are engaged in? <sighs> I'm closing. Don't worry. Don't worry, Shay, when you see all these notes come out. There's a testimony, testimony I want to share with you. I want to read with you. But before I do that, I've started giving you three identities each week of who you are in Christ and hopes to encourage you. Before these identities, we look at the identity of Christ. Who is Christ? Who is God? So now we're transitioning into these 
to these identities that we are in Christ because of Christ. And again, I keep telling you, you can't have these identities, though a lot of people try to claim them. If you're not in Christ, this isn't your identity. You're still broken, busted, disgusted. You're still just bound to sin, bound to darkness, child of the devil. I'm not being mean, but that's just the reality. You come to Christ, you repent, you turn from your sins, you accept Jesus Christ, you're born again, this is your identity now. This is what you're to be applying, this is what you're to be living. Three of them for you today. Go to Psalm 91, verse 11. We're going to fly through these, so keep up. I may be kind of slow, because again, I'm working, sharpening my new sword. Psalm 91, verse 11. And here's your identity, kept in safety wherever you go. And scripture says, For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. This is your identity. The second one, getting all my needs met by Jesus. Go to Philippians 419. <clears throat> Philippians 4.19, getting all my needs met by Jesus. And this same God who takes care of me, come on you all, will supply all your needs according, I'm sorry, all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. That is beautiful. And then finally, casting all my cares on Jesus. Oh, that's, that's true that we need to really grasp and really understand what that means and what that looks like. To cast all your cares on Jesus. And that's 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. This weird image we have of God. But He genuinely cares for us. Even in your state of rebellion. Do you understand? The word of God says he loved us. He loved us, yet though we were still in rebellion towards him. And that's why I keep telling you, his love is not salvation. Please don't get led astray with all that weird teaching out there. Oh, God loves me, so I'm saved. No. God loves you. And because of his love, he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If it was only God's love that would bring forth salvation, there would be no need for Jesus. It would just be God's love. And that's why I try to encourage y'all. There's a lot of people, the majority of people out there would tell you, yeah, God loves me. That's an open door for you to have a conversation. People are open to have spiritual conversations. You don't have to be like a bulldozer going after them. You just have to connect with them. Well, do you understand what, they, what he did because of his love for you? What do you mean? Well, it's because of his love that he gave Jesus. And if they want to shut down the conversation then and there, then you respect it and you walk away. But sometimes they'll look at you and say, you say, the, the, the word of God says that for those who believe in him, Shall not perish but have eternal life. It doesn't say that would believe in his love for them, but what he did because of his love. 
See, because God knew our nature. And then you, be, then you begin to present the gospel. God understands our nature. Like we're sinners. We're in rebellion towards him. He's a holy God. We're an unholy people. An unholy creation that's rebelling against its creator. And yet God made provision for us to be restored to him. Nothing of ourselves, but all through what Christ did. And now we can be born again of a new nature. Born again of the spirit that is in communion with God. Connected back to our creator because of Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says, therefore now I am at peace with God through Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I don't have to fight with people. I don't have to yell at them. Go to hell. They already know they're going. That's why the Bible says, to some you will be a sweet fragrance of life. To others you're going to be a stench of death. Because they already know. People already know. I mean, before Christ, I knew. Before Christ, you don't have to tell me I was going to hell. Though I was told constantly how much God hated me. I was an abomination. You're going, I knew already. I don't want God. I don't want you. Man, I go, wait a minute. I've had the wrong image of God. The problem wasn't God. <laughs> the problem was me. No one dared stop and said, the problem's you. Like all I kept hearing was it was God. It was God. It was God. And God had every right and God is. God hates sin. God turns sinners who aren't born again over to their desires for an eternal hell if they die in the midst of all that and not accept what he's provided for them. Not because he's a bad God, because he's a just God. That's what you want? Here. But why would we settle for that? Oh, that we would know our God. So, you're kept in safety wherever you go. You're getting all your needs met by Jesus. (laughs) And we can cast all of our cares on Jesus. Now, I want to close today with the gospel, you all. You've heard it all throughout this message today. I'm not going to have time to go to all these scriptures. So you're going to get the notes. We're going to go through them on Wednesday night. So if you can't join us physically, I'll join via Zoom. But what does the Bible say about sharing your faith? Because you ought to be sharing. If If you're truly a Christian, you ought to be sharing your faith. You don't leave it for that person or this person or that person. You ought to be sharing your faith. You say, well, I'm timid. I'm an introvert. No, but what does that mean? <laughs> no, we're all called to share our faith. And we're not saying go out there and bum rush people. But the reality is, are you available to share your faith with people? And like I keep telling you, we, can't, we have to stop cowering down to the people that are serving the little gods with a little G in order to appease their God because we don't offend them with our God. Again, we're not singing, how weak is our God? No, no. Our anthem is, how great is our God? And God in and of himself understands that there are little gods out here. He's not taken by surprise. He knows this realm. That's why when he first brought out Israelites unto himself, he tells them, Not to worship any other God. I'm the only one. You're not to worship like those other nations who worship their gods. 
I'm going to show you. You're going to be an example unto them what it is to worship the true God. And then we hear, we've seen, we've studied, we understand history. These other nations, they're not afraid of Israel. They're afraid of their God. or They're, they're even acknowledged, yes, He is God. He is Lord. But not over us. Listen. We should be available to have conversations with people. Share with people. Live our lives. Out loud. We're not hiding our faith. If you're hiding your faith, something's wrong with your faith. Like, serious. Well, I don't want to, you know. I'm okay, well, this is the hour. And it's only going to get weirder as the days continue, the way they're going. That's why I keep telling us for over the past few years, we can't keep doing church the way we've done church. Christians, we've got to get up. And I'm not saying go run amok and act a fool. Sky is falling, the sky is falling. Just live your life in your workplace, in your communities, in stores, at the gas station, in traffic, and, and when you're around people. Just live it out. Just live it out. No, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't partake of that anymore. Can't join you. Not that you're better than them. She says, you don't do that anymore. Why? Because, oh, you can't do it anymore. No, I choose not to. No, it's not a law that I can't do. No, I just willfully choose not to out of the love that I have for my God. That's a different mindset. If I'm doing it because of law, then I'm going to be miserable. And then I'll do it secretly. Or I'll just give up and give in and run them up with people. But when it's like it's willfully, no, I'm willing, no, I just don't do that. I'm not better than you. I just don't do that anymore. Well, don't you remember? About, no, no. I, I can remember the old man. But he has something for me anymore. This is who I am now. And there's nothing for us to be ashamed of, of who God is making us to be because this is who we've always or purpose to be. Living for that which is eternal, not temporal. So, what does the Bible say about sharing your faith? Well, in Matthew, again, we're not going into all these verses. In Matthew 28, he gives us the Great Commission. He calls us to go out. Go out. Give us all authority. Go forth. Announce the gospel message of Jesus. In 2 Timothy, he says, do not be ashamed of it. Listen, if you're ashamed of him, he will be ashamed of you. You deny him here, he'll deny you there. Oh, well then, he's, isn't he a weird God? No, no, he's a just God. He's a just God. So we're not to be ashamed. And then in First Peter, it says we're to be prepared to answer. People are going to ask. And yeah, you may feel like, oh, you may stumble and like stutter and whatever. But get the answer out. The more that you have confidence, not in how you present it, but whom you're presenting. I'm not speaking on behalf of myself. Nor would you. We're the oracles of God. 
And not just by our words, but by our lives. So we are to be prepared to answer. And then Colossians, we're to make most of every opportunity. Don't let opportunities slip by. Oh, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Because you don't know if that's that last time that person is going to be on this earth. And you have an opportunity. Well, I didn't want to, I don't want to upset them. I didn't want to. Once they're dead, <laughs> ain't no purgatory. Life's over. Not praying anyone out of hell. If they're not in Christ, that's where they're at. So make the most of every opportunity. Live your life. Share your faith. In John 15, verse 16, it says, You have been appointed to share your faith. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, you ought to be praying daily for the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering. God, thank you that you're working this within me. It's not the fruits, it's the fruit. <laughs> I'm going to be praying for that. I want to love more. I want to be patient more. I want to be able to be long-suffering. 2 Timothy, be prepared in all seasons. The majority of my ministry and the majority of your ministry is going to be in seasons where you don't feel full of Jesus. And that's when he uses us the most. Because we're in, when we're in our own valleys. That's why we, we don't, we're not taking up camp, we're not sitting in the valley, and we're walking through. And you'll be surprised the doors that will open to be able to minister in the midst of your valley. So many times you say, well, my life has to be together, then I'll minister. No, that, that's, that's not it. You minister right where you're at. That's why you can be transparent, first before God and then before others. That's the beauty of it. You're prepared in all seasons because it's not about you, it's about him. He hasn't changed. Your seasons may have changed, but he hasn't changed. He's still on the throne. And in Matthew 5, we're to let our light shine. We're to let our light shine. In Psalm 96, we're to proclaim the Lord's name to all. That's what we're commissioned to do. In 2 Corinthians, God calls us as his ambassadors. That is your title. If you're truly a Christian, that is your title. Do you understand? This is what you're... <laughs> That's why there's going to be those that go and they're going to stand before Jesus... And he's going to say to them, depart from me. I never knew you. And they're going to go, but didn't we do this? And didn't we do that? And didn't we do this in your name? And he goes, I don't know you. You are a worker of iniquity. You are still mastered and enslaved by sin. That is your choice. So you will reap the benefit of your reward. But would it be his ambassadors? See, you get up every day, you're on purpose, not for yourself. Oh, no, 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 no. How does he transform us? By changing the way we think. So if I looked at all the chaos that's happening in my life right now, and all the dis disruptiveness and all of this craziness, oh, I can get overwhelmed, but I, can, I have to get up every day and go, all right, God, I see all of this. It's not taking you by surprise, so help me, Holy Spirit, to stay in step with you. 
Help me to take my thoughts captive and bring them to the obedience of your lordship. Help me not to even give it an inch to say, oh, it's okay for me to speak this way about it. No, no. Help me to expose the fruitless deeds of the darkness because I'm to be your ambassador. See, ultimately what we're going to hear, and as the scripture we heard earlier, we should hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter in to my rest. See, that's what we're looking for. Jesus saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. You endured. Ha ha. You trusted me. You stayed in step with me. You didn't grieve the spirit in which you received, the new nature. Eternity is yours with me in my kingdom. You're co-heired out with me. And then finally, Romans 6.23, sin equals death, but Christ equals life. This is why we share the gospel. Because ultimately, sin equals death. Christ equals life. So I'm going to close out with this incredible testimony that I just wept over the other night. His dad, the pastor, said, ready for what? Dad, it's time to go outside and distribute our flyers. The dad replied, son, it's very cold outside and it's drizzling. The child looked surprised at his father and said, but dad, people need to know about God even on rainy days. And the dad replied, son, I'm not going outside in this weather. With despair, the child said, dad, can I go alone, please? His father waited for a moment and then said, Son, you can go. Here are the flyers. Be careful. Thank you, Dad. And with this, the son went out into the rain. The 11-year-old walked all the streets of the village, handing out the flyers to the people he saw. After two hours of walking in the rain and cold and with his last flyer in his hand, he stopped at a corner to see if he saw someone to get the flyer to. But the streets were totally deserted. Then he turned to the first house he saw, walked to the front door, rang the doorbell several times and waited, but no one came out. Finally, the boy turned to leave, but something stopped him. The child turned back to the door and began to ring the bell and pound on the door strongly with his knuckles. He kept waiting. Finally, the door was opened gently. A lady came out with a very sad look and gently asked, What can I do for you, son? With radiant eyes and a bright smile, the child said, Lady, I'm sorry if I upset you, but I just want to tell you that God really loves you and that I came to give you my my last flyer, which talks about God and his great love. The boy then gave her the flyer. She just said, Thank you, son. God bless you. Well, the next Sunday morning, the pastor was in a pulpit, and when the service began, he asked, Does anyone have a testimony or something they want to share? Gently in the back of the row of the church, an older lady stood up. 
When she started talking, a radiant and glorious look sprouted from her eyes. Nobody in this church knows me. I've never been here. Even last Sunday, I was not a Christian. My husband died a while ago, leaving me totally alone in this world. Last Sunday was a particularly cold and rainy day. And it was so cold and lonely in my heart that I felt I had to end, that I, that I had come to the end of the road and I didn't want to live anymore. I took a chair and a rope and went to the attic of my house and tied a noose in the other end of the rope to the rafters of the roof. Then I climbed into the chair and put the rope around my neck. And then I stood on the chair, so alone and heartbroken, I was about to throw myself off the chair when suddenly I heard the loud sound of the doorbell and the door being knocked on. So I thought, I'll wait for a minute, and whoever it is will go away. I waited and waited, but the door knocking was getting louder and louder, and every time it got so loud that I couldn't ignore it anymore. So I wondered, who could it be? No one ever comes to my door or comes to visit me. I realized the rope, I I mean, I released the rope from my neck and went to the door while the bell was still ringing and the door was still being knocked on. When I opened the door, I couldn't believe what my eyes saw in front of me. I'm sorry, in front of my door was the most radiant and angelic child I've ever seen. His smile, oh, I can never describe it. The words that came out of his mouth made my heart, which had been dead for so long, come back to life. When he said with this voice of a cherubim, Lady, I just want you to tell you that God really loves you. When the little angel disappeared between the cold and the rain, I closed my door and read every word of the flyer. Then I went into the attic and removed the chair and the rope. I didn't need them anymore. As you see, now I'm a happy daughter of the king. Since the direction of that boy, when he left, was to this church, I came personally to say thank you to that little angel of God who came just in time to rescue my life from an eternity in hell and replaced it with eternity in God's presence. Everyone cried in the church. The pastor came down from the pulpit to the first bench where the little boy was sitting. He took his son in his arms and cried uncontrollably. Listen, you all. You just need to be available. You don't know what others are going through. But God wants to use each and every single one of us to share the good news of Jesus to a world that is dying. We have the hope of Christ and we have the gospel of Christ to share. There is a way in which we should be living and it it is as unto Christ. I'm going to close this with this last song of worship and then I'll close us in prayer.
Back to the arms of our first love There's only one way to the Father And He's calling out to us To the captive it looks like freedom To the orphan it feels like home To the skeptic it might sound crazy To believe in a God who knows In a world where our hearts are breaking And we're lost in the mess we It's the good news for us all It's greater than religion It's the power of the cross So can we get back to the altar Back to the arms of our first love There's only one way to the Father And He's calling out to us To the Galilee it looks like freedom To the orphan it feels like home To the skeptic sound crazy to believe in a God who loves in a world where our hearts are breaking and we're lost in the mess we made like a blinding light in the dead of night it's the gospel the gospel that makes a way it's the gospel that makes a way it's the gospel Christ, 